0: Hello and welcome to the Public Circle Podcast. My name is Adam Olson. I'm your host, producer, and member of the British Columbia Legislative Assembly for Saanich North and the Islands. If this is your first episode, then welcome. If you've listened to previous episodes, then welcome back. The Public Circle Podcast is a endeavor uh, for me to share some of the incredible stories that I have heard as the MLA for Sandwich North and the Islands. It's one of the real benefits of this job is I get the opportunity to meet the incredibly creative, innovative, and entrepreneurial people in Sandwich North and the Islands and and frankly and beyond. So this uh, podcast was a way for me to capture some of those stories and share them with you in a portable format that you can take with you. So I hope that you're enjoying. Uh, this podcast, and if you are, then I encourage you to leave a comment, to rate the podcast, to share it with your friends and family and neighbors. In this episode, I meet up with an old friend, John Jurisic. I know John going back to the days of Central Saanich counselor, where he was working with the Sydney North Saanich Industrial Group, an incredible group of businesses on the Saanich Peninsula that employ about 3,000 people and generate about A billion dollars in sales uh, for the capital region every year and John was their advocate and did an incredible job of highlighting the challenges on the Saanich Peninsula for those businesses to succeed and to thrive so here's my conversation with John.
1: Good afternoon John. Good afternoon Adam, we've got ourselves here doing a podcast on a Friday afternoon. You promised me wine, you promised me beer, None of that's happened. I delivered none of it for you because um, <laughs> I'm totally lying.
0: <laughs> I will. I will deliver though a quality podcast.
1: <laughs> Excellent.
0: <laughs> Why don't you uh, tell my listener? Because at this point, I think we've got one. Oh, outstanding.
1: Um, got to start somewhere. Maybe a few. Uh, who John Jurisic is? All right, John Jurisic. Okay, I've got. Uh, well, uh, many instances, folks um, have uh, characterized me as a serial entrepreneur that's literally what I am. I've been involved in various types of businesses and consulting since I graduated from UVic uh, early 80s and uh, have loved it. I truly am an entrepreneur and uh, lately, as it applies to our situation, I have been involved with labor market consulting and I have been extensively involved with the Greater Victoria Chamber of Commerce and so uh, advocacy and representing, uh, industry issues is something that I've done for a living for almost 20 years. It therefore became natural that I would, uh, represent some of the industry interests on what is, what most people say the other side of the highway, uh, which in, which in this instance is the other side of Beacon Avenue or the other side of the highway in the town of Sydney, where a lot of the manufacturing sector lives. Not many people know that, but, um, uh, industry sectors to the tune of almost a billion dollars in revenue are over there. And I've represented their interests for a better part of seven or eight years through something called the Sydney North Sands Industrial Group.
0: Right. And so uh, this, is, this is where we initially ran into each other. I was, I was going to say clash, but we didn't clash. We just ran into each other and... and we were uh, startled. <laughs> I, I, I'll yeah. never forget
1: that day. Uh, Tell people. Yeah, so so I was meeting with a fellow, a representative from Scott Plastics. Uh, I don't think he minds if I state his name, Robin Richardson. He was really someone initiating this uh, advocacy efforts for industry. And um, somewhere or another, this fellow, uh, an ex-counselor from Central Saanich, I'm not sure if he was at that point a current counsellor, he comes in, he's wearing a, a green jacket. I don't entirely recall if you had green pants, but you were very green. And his name was Adam Olson. Mm. I think that was you. And he was saying, guess what? I want to represent uh, this region on a uh, provincial level. And we both looked at you and what? Like this was about seven or eight years ago before really the Green Party and the entire movement had um, uh, sort of become, become, well, I don't want to say not, it it was real, but it had not yet become part of this region. And we, okay, well, let's listen to you. And frankly, I was really, really startled at how, um, how very uh, uh, how, what's the word, how very um, constructive, how very practical, and how very um, reasonable you were, because at that time it was like, whoa, what, what? Are these out of out of the world ideas? That are are these radical ideas? Well, none of them were. And and then and then you left, and we, Robin and I looked at each other and went, wow. That, that took a lot of guts. It took a lot of guts to talk to industry yeah. and wow, it was very rational and it was uh, very calm and made sense. And we were like, what?
0: <laughs> it took me a while. I mean that was that was just before the 2013 election, so it wasn't five or six it was it was five years ago, um, only five years ago. Can yeah, feel so like- it was right before the 2013 election. It was when I made the decision that I was that I, I was running, um, and so you came I,
1: within 400 votes, I think.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. Although I don't I don't talk about that much anymore because in 2017 I was finally successful at it. So yeah, yeah. It, I mean, you know, it, it is an investment, and, and well, it, to come out of nowhere that's to right. be so close and I, was remarkable. But I think that it is it, as I'm starting to get to know the businesses that you've represented uh, in the you know on the peninsula, I I, I recognize the the enterprise that i was undertaking at that time is very similar to the enterprise that they're undertaking part of the reason why i feel an affinity towards what an entrepreneur does is that what i did was very much an entrepreneurial enterprise i took a startup idea which is a party that is currently outside the establishment of of the the binary and said i'm going to try to make this i'm going to try to make this mainstream and, uh, and so, you know, that, that really was an entrepreneurial effort, frankly, and it took, like you said, it takes guts. Being a business owner, a, a, a
1: manu- an owner of a manufacturing company, takes guts. Well, here's, here's what has uh, totally impressed me about you since that day. There is a natural inclination to think that if you support environmental principles, you don't support business. And that's just the natural, naive inclination. Um, without education, that's where you land. You have never ever come across representing that viewpoint. You've also said, you've always said environment's important. So is business. How can we work together? And so I, I've been impressed since that day. It was fantastic. So there, well, and, I mean, and somehow or another, you've you've remained a friend of mine. That's <laughs> even more startling. Well, it's been easy. It's been easy <laughs> being
0: your friend one of the things that's really important is oftentimes people feel that their advocacy to politicians or elected officials which I consider myself an an elected official more than a than a politician because my job is one of public policy it's not about playing all of the games and i think that's part of that has been a consistent aspect of me and it's i've been appreciative of the consistent narrative and the consistent message that has been coming from in fact today when i was at uh, titan boats which is another episode that, that people who are going to hear in the coming weeks, um, the message still remains consistent. Housing, transportation, School access trains. to skilled trades. Yeah. So maybe talk about going back five or six or eight years, talk about the genesis of those three messages because it's been not lost on me. I don't think it's been lost on any municipal politician in the region. These are issues that are facing our business
1: community. I think... We, we have to unwrap, first of all, a little bit about what, what we consider the definition of business. And it's often too often that that becomes this sort of place where commerce occurs and there are these um, capitalistic endeavors that are going on and that they're uh, sometimes perceived as a threat to, to our societies. In fact, in fact, we have to break down what, what's really going on. It's just people like you and I going somewhere and doing something organized and in a process that generates revenue. And, and when you look at it that way, really, it's just all, all these people. And therefore, they're people problems. What, what manifests out of that are people problems that are really happening to all of us, but are particularly acute because there's so much business going on over there. And the people problems that, are, that have now become actually national problems are one of how do young people afford to live in a place where housing is so expensive? <laughs> now, that is a people problem and it's a business problem because then how do you attract people to, to work in your business if they can't afford to live when they're not working, right? So that, um, as, the, um, as the affordability issue six or seven years ago became more and more acute and, and, and worse so to speak, then these this collective group started to say, is there something we can do about that? Can we raise the problem amongst our local politicians who, frankly, are in charge of land use? And so this, this equation, which wasn't simple, more density to accommodate people who are working at our industries, how can we make that work? And... Therefore, we we began to try to get that message into the media, to the local politicians, to people. (laughs) And so that was the the first and really priority issue that industry was trying to address that they still are trying to address to this day.
0: Initially, it sounded like it was uh, a code, I think. A lot of people thought it was a code for we need to build on agricultural land.
1: I know, and that was so unfortunate. You know, Never was that. It was never intended to be that way, and I think you're right. I think part of that came out that way.
0: In fact, I think that the, the cry for help that the business community, that they were ahead of the right. real challenge that we dealt with in the 2017 election, which was this
1: place isn't affordable. And, and continues to this day uh, across the province where we generate revenue primarily in Lower Vancouver Island and Vancouver, it's just hard to live. So how do you how do you maintain this community of people in that environment? And yes, originally the sense was these big capitalistic um players on a chessboard, they just really want to take the whole chessboard over. That never was intended. Nonetheless, we've come up we've come away from those days, I think, and now generally is accepted, where are my kids gonna live. <laughs> How are they going to afford to live here and work? Uh,
0: it, it started ahead of when everybody saw that there was a problem coming. The, the business owners saw that it was coming ahead of, I think, everybody else. It then became a problem, and I, and I think that had you and the group been chased away initially by the calls that you were just capitalists looking to build on agricultural land, yeah. um, that would have been a problem. But, uh, but I think... But because it was
1: a very real... And a non-sustainable problem. It, it continues to this day. It does, yeah. So, um, and so okay. So that that was really where where the uh, group sort of dynamic emerged mm-hmm. and started to make noise around that issue. The second one is that, and I'll just do a little tad bit of um, education, I guess here, is that um, this collective industry group out here, being on the peninsula, represents somewhere in the neighborhood of 25 to 3,500 employees. And that varies depending on whether you include the ferries and the airport and the Keating Cross. So, okay, so we're, oh, let's just take 3,000. And then of that number, from surveys we've done in the past, that could now have changed, but they're generally in the same uh, area, about 25% of that group live on the peninsula. 75% of that group give or take 5%. It's like a political poll. Go beyond the peninsula and live somewhere else. Of that group, half of that group lives in the West Shore. Okay? So, transportation became a second issue. If that's that is our reality, how can we move people around quicker? How can we move them around more efficiently? So then transportation became a second core notion from, from this group. Maybe we, if we can't build all the houses out here, and that's very much a potential reality, and they can be built elsewhere, well, can we move people more efficiently? Mm. And so that became the second sort of core advocacy piece. Transportation, how are we moving people around?
0: Well, I, I, it's, it's, too, it's actually the same issue frankly, and um, transportation, uh, af- affordable transportation and affordable housing, and I don't have I don't have the exact stats in my head, but but it is part of a for- an affordability e- equation, that transportation is the second largest expense of any fa- household family economy, basically. Wow, I didn't yeah. know that. Housing okay. is the first, and okay. then transportation is the second piece right. of that, and so if you have a housing affordability problem, you likely also have a transportation affordability problem. If you can't live near your work, uh, and and it comes down to a planning issue, so th- I think you know the 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 local government and the provincial government have have two different pieces of this. The local government's plan, or not, in some cases not plan, but plan their neighborhood, their communities. The provincial government funds. Uh, you know, affordable housing programs or housing affordability programs, so co-op housing, um, non-profit, uh, low-income low housing, and funds transit and transportation options. And I think that there's, there's a lot left to be desired for between the provincial and the local government aspects of this. There's a lot of gaps
1: that need to be filled. And there are lots of, I think, creative ideas and there's not entirely a lot of room for creative ideas. Because <laughs> so many times, affordable housing solutions fall into very expensive solutions. Mm. Uh, I was just speaking to somebody about half an hour ago, and we ended up talking about microhousing. And w- why haven't we ever talked about microhousing? Those are Building those little houses. small houses where they can be. This is a global movement. So there, you know, it, building code. Uh, well, right. So that's a uh, either is that a provincial or a municipal? I think it's so. So there, you know, I think we're lacking just some innovation around some of this stuff. Um, transportation. You know, we oh. think okay. Well, God, millions and billions of dollars. Really, I, I don't think so. There are ways we can do this without having to face these large
0: costs. Well, I, as I've been I mean, the the. Uh it's certainly an investment from the provincial government to put a rapid bus system on the on the highway that already exists. But the highway already exists. The buses already exist. We just have to reorganize how the buses yeah. go. And 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 yeah, we have to make investments at places like Keating and. And at Mount Newton and it.
1: but they don't have to be billion dollar investments. No, they like, have to look like what right. Sayward
0: looks like, right? Yeah. Little bump outs where the yeah. buses can stop. So And
1: what 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 impresses me about your your party is that you really foster innovation. You encourage innovation. You um, and so I'm really glad that you're sort of talking about these issues because I don't think they're they're big ticket items, you know? Well, I they I think that if we're
0: gonna be building sustainable, resilient communities that can that can I mean, we have such an infrastructure gap that if we don't spend more time thinking about how we can do it better and more effectively in the future, we're, it's, it's going to become a, a, a much bigger problem than already yeah. exists right Yeah, now. it's not going to go
1: away. So uh, the, third, the third piece that is... So that being the third piece of what I'd like to call the stool. So the first one being um, affordable housing, second one being transportation, third one being all around skill trades. And uh, five or six years ago when we started this, uh, the notion of skill trades was really around uh, lack of uh, skills. There were people, but they didn't have the right skills. The economy was already starting a transition to what I, well, geez, second, third industrial revolution. I don't know how it's characterized, but it's happened towards increased technology in the workplace, increased efficiency. How do we do things better, faster, quicker? Well, that means technology. So there were skills lacking. So that meant, are the colleges and the universities addressing these issues? So we did advocacy and chatter about that. Then about two years ago, we started to see quite a shift from lack of skill trades, lack of skills amongst tradespeople, to lack of people. (laughs) Just there aren't enough people. Not just lack of people with skills, just there aren't enough people. And so that has become a crisis that we can't fix today with more people because there won't be enough. They're, they're, to fill the skilled trade gap today in BC, we'd literally have to have twenty to 30,000 people born tomorrow, age 21, fully trained. That will not happen. When I was meeting with Nicholson Manufacturing, they're like, yeah, we're recruiting
0: people from Alberta, or Ontario who are in their late 40s, early 50s, who can put t- seven to eight years in for us and then retire. And the way that we're attracting them out west is to say, this is a great place to retire to. And when I, when I heard that, I thought, wow, that's...
1: Well, so, so it's at the uh, young end. Well, let's just generally call it the millennial end, where we need more people. So if you don't have enough people, that means you have to train the people that are there. And that has become the issue. How do we train the people that are already working in new technologies, in new industry, in a new way of looking at the world? Even though Nicholson is there, even though we're sitting in beautiful Sydney, our market is a world market. How do we adapt to that? More technology, more efficiency, more automation. How do we do all that? And so we need to deal with that now. I think, therefore, this area of the peninsula could be the center, a, a global center for education and innovation because the industry's here. And, and we, could be, we could be bringing in people in centers of education that could start dealing with this. And then those case studies could show the world how to solve these problems. You brought up a fantastic point older people. Oh gosh, we just think we're, we're just put them to the pasture. Those days are over. Companies don't want older people to, to retire. <laughs> they want them to keep working for a long time. And so you're now seeing this really interesting um, uh, development with, with companies hiring physiotherapists for the older folks who are hurting. You know, they hurt after two or three hours. They need a massage or, or they need some stretching Or because we need to keep older people working because there's not enough people it's it's fascinating i I'm I'm intrigued and I think the town of Sydney and the peninsula and the three municipalities can be really become a global leader and could become an economic development uh, priority for for the sandwich I mean I, for the Sanish Peninsula but eventually for the world because the whole world is facing this problem
0: right that the, the there's not enough the, people the demand on the products. I suppose I
1: suppose I can't speak definitively about um, about an Asian marketplace, that might be different, but certainly in North America. Right. We we have to deal with. So those were the three um, major issues that, to your earlier point, have not changed. That message no. has not changed over time. No.
0: And 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 that's because I think they were grounded. They were rooted in actual problems. And, yes. I, and I think that actually to go back to the opposition to them, people thought that they were uh, that, that they were, you know, land use or, or development driven, but they were actually, they were, they were actually in, in their core, the problems that were being faced by the, and, you know, there is this, there's this unfortunate thing. And, and even in some of the comments that you've made about, you were astonished that a green candidate would come in and think about this. Yeah. There's this feel there, there is this. Misunderstanding. And, and a lack of yeah. trust in our, in our political systems, yeah. in, our, in our politics, and in our elected officials, that if you're there, then you have to be that, and if you're over
1: there, then you have to be there that. There is, Adam. There's no you're part of that tribe, to... I'm part of that tribe, and the two tribes don't talk to each other. It's true. And I wish that would change. Way. It's frustrating. You true. know? Well, I, I think that it
0: it is to some point I mean this is part of what my mantra in my head is you just gotta yes. keep going on, on what you're doing Yeah. so um, I can tell you that I've continued to meet with businesses it's been uh, on, on a monthly basis we've got a, a bunch of businesses still to meet uh, in the coming months and it seems like every time I open a door here uh, and Jojo and I go and meet with these companies we're just Blown away by the level of—I I don't know why—I think that we've got less quality here than perhaps elsewhere. But the products that we make here are mind-blowing. Those Titan boats, those are Skookum amazing. Th- those mm-hmm. are—that's re- the real deal. There, I guess it's because we're just—you
1: know—we um, make airplanes on the Saanich Peninsula. We make uh, <laughs> global, global uh, ranked products best in the world in so many different areas and i don't if i don't know is that a canadianism i don't know if if we're maybe in the u.s we would have been bragging about that till till our uh, uh, nonetheless that's what's happening over here you're totally right titan boats nicholson makes g- world-class products so so these issues are are continuing and uh, of course i'm getting older uh, I know everyone's listening and thinking, "Gee, that that thirty-five-year-old, uh, uh-uh, not that's not who's talking." And I, I got to think about, "What am I? yeah, 36. <laughs> you go to Mexico too often. <laughs> so what? What exactly? Uh, what are you is, doing? Yeah. Well, what is John Jurisic doing, right? So, uh, where do we park this these advocacy efforts if I don't do them? And and it oh, it just became a natural that it should live under the Peninsula Chamber of Commerce. Sure. And, and and their efforts. So what we've done that, we've now sort of moved that brand to the Peninsula Chamber of Commerce like a month ago. Uh, so, that, so we're now in March of 2019, like literally January, and uh, a committee will be formed. I am trying to join the Chamber of Commerce and hopefully continue the relationships and the momentum there. But I think if it lives there, and I think... I don't, can't speak for the, the Peninsula Chamber, but I can for the downtown chamber. These are organizations that have been around since like the eight, 1800s. So we have some sustainability around this. There will be some capacity around creating reports and, and being able to represent these interests professionally to whomever. <laughs> and so that is where we what's going to happen. So as a plug, I need to get elected because there are now more people who want to join the chamber board than there are. S- seats for one oh, of the first times in a long time. Oh, so you're. you're so I'm ga- going I, I am need to get elected. <laughs> so I'm going political, yes.
0: <laughs> well, I can, uh, I can so give, you some, me, ad- I can My, give you some So vote for me, please. The one av- person listening. <laughs> I can give you some advice for your campaign. Oh, excellent. So I want to, uh, first of all, I mean, I think you should be raised up for the fact that you've helped advance this so that it becomes the political conversation on the Senate's Peninsula when we talk about business. Like well thank you. Over the years that the advocacy work has now made this the you know, it it is it is I I think
1: that I have participated in the message. I think the messaging would have come through somehow. But I think we've been able to manage the message and keep it um, practical and pragmatic rather than confrontational. Uh, which it could have easily been done. And as you recognized, there there were times when it it was perceived that way. But it's not. It's just people trying to live on lower Vancouver Island. So I can tell you, uh, you have
0: captured my attention in this. And as the representative, and part of the reason why I do my tour, uh, visiting businesses that open their doors for me and then shining a light on them with a blog post or a podcast or some pictures or whatever, is because... I recognize that the storytelling aspect of this is so important. It's critical to capturing the attention, and I continue to do it because I want to help tell that story and because, well, you and, and the, the Sydney-North Saanich Industrial Group captured my attention as a politician. So I want to thank you for joining me on this edition of the Public Circle podcast. I want to thank you for the work that you've done on the Saanich Peninsula. Uh, congratulate you on your most recent ventures into other aspects of business. Yes, um, I
1: have become a realtor.
0: Okay, so, th- no,
1: we no. Oh, I'm not allowed uh, to say?
0: No. Okay. You, can, you and Dan can do your job. Okay, fantastic. Thank you for joining me on the podcast today.
1: Adam, it's been a pleasure, and I hope to be back soon. Awesome. Take care.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of the Public Circle Podcast. I'm Adam Olson, host, producer, and member of the British Columbia Legislative Assembly for Saanich North and the islands. If you enjoyed this episode of the Public Circle Podcast, please share it, comment on it, rate it, on all the various ways that you can listen to a podcast. If you have any comments or questions, please email me at adam.olson.mla at leg.bc.ca Finally, I blog every day about my experience as an MLA. I invite you to visit my blog, at MLA.ca. So, until next time, Hayek.